Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, everybody. Prophet is Dawn here, and I am the senior pastor of Life Path Apostolic Agape House of Prayer. I am clear in the call that God has placed on my life, and let me say it so that those in the back can hear me. God has called me to plant a ministry. God has called me to plant a ministry, and I'm going to leave it right here. If that thing does not settle in your soul, if it does not, if it if it causes you angst or anxiety or uh, 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 snideness, you better go to the altar because something is demonically influencing you. So I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there because God is my witness as he has called me in this hour. Why am I addressing this today? I'm addressing it because we are nearing the uh, the time of manifestation. We are nearing the time that God is going to uh, show the tangibles associated to the call that he has placed on my life. And as we get closer, As we get closer, those who are within close proximity that are out of control, meaning not led by God's spirit, will allow the enemy to use them in order to sow doubt, discord. And I told y'all some time ago, I reshade like a tree. (laughs) So do not, and I repeat, do not try me. (laughs) Continue praying for me if you can. If you can't, so be it. But I know that this ministry, just by the very fact that you are listening to my words, this ministry has already been a blessing in your life. And not only has it blessed you, it has altered the path of your direction. All right. So I wanted to address that up front. God has called me. I want to say it very clearly. We are planting a church. Be careful. Be very careful, especially if you are in close proximity to me, that you do not, that let me say it again, that you do not come against what God has ordained and predestined for this time. Amen. I need some encouragers. I need folk to come and back up and what God has called. Amen. I don't need the shade. <laughs> I don't need the shade. I, I, I got enough of it in other areas. All right. All right. So I'm not going to dwell on that. I just wanted to get that out there. But we are we are talking today. I'm so excited. We are talking about the book of Exodus. We are talking about the book of Exodus. God has taken us along this journey of the chronological review of the word of God. And I am so grateful. I am yet grateful for what God has called us to. Amen. I believe that this is the season that he has laid the foundation of his word that we may get a greater understanding of the word for the purpose, for the very purpose of learning who 
he is. We must understand his identity, the character of God. And so therefore he has called us for this time to set aside this time, set apart this time to get into his word for the mere purpose, the mere purpose of getting to know him. Amen. 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 I'm so happy. I'm happy we're in the book now. (laughs) We are in Exodus, and I love the book of Exodus as I can relate, as I can relate to many of the stories. So let's see if I can do it any justice. I had two more supplements that I wanted to do uh, before we got into our Bible study tonight, which once again, let me share with you, we are in study Every Thursday night, every Thursday night, 7 p.m. and uh, for Bible study. Every Tuesday, 7 p.m. for prayer. My God, God has been moving. He has been moving mightily, mightily uh, on behalf of those associated with and through this ministry. This is why I don't understand. This is why I do not understand. I'll be over here minding my own godly business, my own father's business. And folk just want to try to, you know, throw their little snide remarks to remind you that they do not. They People, people get so common. And let me say this the right way, because I don't want to come off as being arrogant or cocky, uh, because confidence to those who are insecure uh, is perceived as cockiness. I am not confident in anything about myself. I'll tell you in a minute, I am the least of all in any way, Uh, but I am confident in the God that I serve. So let me just say this, and and I I keep trying to get away from it, but apparently it's, it's something, you know, stirring up. But let me say this. If you don't agree, with the call that God has placed on my life, uh, just keep your distance for a short period, simply because as we continue to progress closer to the manifestation, uh, that thing is going to rev up in you and the enemy is going to use you in, in a great and mighty way. And the way that this thing is set up, <laughs> the way that this thing is set up, I don't want to be the one that is coming against the will of God, not in this season. Even with my words, even with my words, sometimes we speak word curses. We speak word curses over people and over the will of God. I don't want to be contrary to nothing that God is doing in this hour because we reap what we sow. We reap what we sow. I am... uh, 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 I am, and I don't know why I lost that word. I think something, I heard something going on downstairs, but I am um, purposefully seeking God's will. And I am confident that because he understands my desire to please him, God is not going to allow us to be led astray as it relates to this ministry. All right, so let us go into prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank and praise you and we honor you for this day, for this is the day that you have made. We will rejoice and we shall continuously 
be glad in it. I thank and praise you. I celebrate you. I honor and adore you for your majesty, for who you are, for you are a great and mighty God, and you are greatly to be praised. We thank you for your word, and we celebrate you for the opportunity to learn and to be imparted into from your Holy Spirit. Father God, help us to receive from you. Help us, Heavenly Father, to receive your word and to apply it to our lives. Now, Father God, as I begin to minister to your people, I ask, Lord Jesus, that you will word my mouth, that you will hide me, Lord Jesus, that they'll see you and and not me, that they'll hear from you and that you will send a rhema word. Father, I thank you. I bless you. I honor and adore you. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank God. Amen and amen. All right, so let us get started. Now, let me share with you all in case I have not shared this um, um, recently and lest some forget. Let me just share a little bit as God has called me to pastor. And there is no man-made qualification that allows me to be uh, All right, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let me pick up where I left off. I actually got a little slight distraction there, but we're going to get back on into it and get back to God's work, amen? But what I was saying is that I wanted to share with you all just a little bit about my background, but I wanted to make sure I give this disclaimer that there is no man-made certification, verification, uh, um, accolades or uh, acknowledgement that would qualify me for the call that God has placed on my life. I remember Moses asking the question when God sent him back to the children of Israel. He said, God, who shall I tell them sent, who shall I tell them sent me, who sent me? And he said, you tell them that I am that I am sent you. Amen. And so I am has sent me and I don't need qualification or backing from anybody or anyone. Amen. But I just wanted to share this uh, with you all um, to let you know I ain't new to this. I'm true to this. And my uh, theological background comes from um, I have an undergraduate degree in theology, uh, went to seminary, uh, and for um, my undergraduate degree, and I learned to study the Bible. I learned to study the Bible, and I took that knowledge, and I built upon that as I grew and matured through ministry. Now, again, I have an undergraduate degree, not sure if I will pursue a higher learning uh, in, in academia, uh, but I may, I may, who knows? God may want me to go in that direction to, to receive my PhD, I don't know. But I never have qualified myself as a theologian, uh, simply as one who has been called. So I'm very clear on that. 
And so as we continue to go along this journey, I am an eternal uh, student of the word. Amen. So I am learning. I'm not superior to anyone in knowledge. I am uh, teachable and I am learning. So God appointed me, appointed me to lead his people. And this is a tool by which he is leveraging for that leadership. Amen. So I just wanted to share with you all. I'm not new to, to this. I am true to this. And I've been doing this for a short period of time and um, trying to learn as we go and allowing God to impart, impart. Uh, Some of the ways that when I was in seminary, I learned how to um, study the Bible. I learned how to study the Bible from a historic perspective, from a historic perspective, critically analyzing the Word of God, looking at the historical context, looking at the social and the cultural and political factors that were influencing the Word of God and and how those things actually uh, impacted the interpretation. Amen. So I analyze uh, or learn how to analyze the literal form of the word. Amen. So examining the word of God from a historic perspective. I also learned how to develop theological interpretation of the word. Theological, theo, meaning God, theo, T-H-E-O logical um, or theology, the study of God. Amen. So I learned how to study to get an understanding of God, to learn God by interpretation and analyzation of his doctrines. Amen. To learn God's identity. Also learned about exegesis and eisegesis. E-X-E-G-E-S-I-S. I-S-O-G-E-S-I-S. And so exegesis is the analyzation of the word or analysis of the word in the biblical text uh, according to the original context the original context, or in other words, we ain't adding nothing. We ain't distracted, uh, yeah, detaching anything, but we are analyzing the word based on the context surrounding the word of God. Isogesis is the uh, application of our own interpretation. Uh, We see it done oftentimes, you know, when we go into church and these preachers, they begin to minister a word and they want to apply it, uh, life application to the word, and they will add theatrics, emotionalism, and things that are not exclusive to the context of the word that is written, and that is isogesis. Amen. Exegesis is 
is uh, evaluating or analyzing the context. All right. We also learn hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. And this is studying the principles. This is the the principles. So so you bring all of this together. You look at the the literary context, the the historic context, the cultural context. And you analyze the Bible uh, as if it were applied in its present day. Amen. So you're taking all of these concepts and you are analyzing or peeling back, uh, studying the word of God to understand the principles and the methods through these categories. Amen. So that is hermeneutics, it's, uh, um, understanding holistically the word of God through application and how it was uh, applied in that present day. Amen. We also learn how to perform practical application or practical interpretation of the word of God. Amen. So studying the word to understand how it should be applied in context to daily living, taking a pragmatic or a practical approach of interpreting the word of God, looking at ethical, moral, and spiritual implications, amen, in order to study the Bible. And we also learn comparative uh, analysis to analyze the word, comparing other texts, other texts. And this is why I say that it's important, even as we dig into the Word of God and we begin to study, that we um, acknowledge that the Bible is the only true infallible Word of God, but there are some uh, gaps that are filled by other texts, by other texts. So if, for instance, if I am in the book of uh, Genesis and I am learning about the origin of uh, our existence and I leverage the Bible as my only true source, there will be so many gaps in my understanding about uh, the world and how it began to evolve. So therefore, I may want to use other historic texts to be able to help me to fill in the gap. And finally, while this was not overtly taught in seminary, but it was uh, uh, um, conveyed in such a way that the Holy Spirit is our best teacher. So leveraging the Holy Spirit, meditating on the word of God, hearing from God that we may get a rhema word, that interpretation, the ruach, the breath of God, breathing life into his word. Amen. So I just wanted to take a moment just to share that and not in the sense that I feel that I need to share my qualifications with anybody because if God has called me, then God has called me. And as I share earlier, if you, if, listen, listen, uh, if, if my calling is an adjutant 
to your soul. If it uh, 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 an irritant is the word I'm looking for to your soul, I would admonish you stay clear. Stay clear because God is about to start doing some things. I'm telling you. Uh, but again, I'm going to start back <laughs> because I'm telling you, it, the enemy cannot hide himself in the presence of God. He cannot hide himself in God's presence. And I guarantee you what is in your heart will manifest out of your mouth when you come up and around me. Amen. I know my job. I know my responsibility to cover us in prayer, to intercede on our behalf. But I'm telling you, sometimes I struggle with the stuff folk let come out of their mouths. And that's why we have to be careful. Be very careful with who we have within close, close proximity to us as God is calling us to carry out assignment, to carry out assignment. It doesn't mean that God has not called you to a thing. You know, you, you may just be to whatever to do what God has called you to do. He may be calling you to do a thing. It doesn't mean that. What it means is that uh, when we become common with one another or when we begin to allow the enemy to use us against God's purpose, we will throw jabs or, or sabotage or do things uh, out what we feel is outside of our character because we are not governing ourselves under the rulership or the authority of God's Holy Spirit. But we are allowing our flesh, we are allowing our flesh to take reign. And I'm telling you, I'm just warning you, I'm warning you that if as God continues to to drive us closer to his purpose, if you don't get that demon in check, if you don't get deliverance, every time you come in my presence, that tongue is going to tell on you. It's going to tell on you. <laughs> so I would advise you, uh, you know, take advantage from afar because I believe, especially for those who are under the sound of my voice, meaning you can hear me right now. This ministry has already been a blessing in your life. It has already turned and changed your life for the better. Amen. I stand on that. I stand on that. And not because of me, but because of the God that we serve. Amen. All right. So I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to try. Lord, help me try. <laughs> help me, Jesus, to succeed. Don't help me try because I can try all on my own. But help me to succeed. All right. So here's my assignment today. We are in the book of Exodus. We're in the book of Exodus, and I believe I had a couple of supplements I wanted to do before we got into our study, uh, our conversation, and we uh, uh, brought everybody in to discuss. I love how we're doing this Bible study uh, because this particular model of study, it, it is done in such a way that it, it um, is designed to cause discussion is designed to cause discussion. And part of the approach that they've taken with this Bible study 
is because it is understood that when we bring things to a level of our understanding to where we can discuss it and talk through it, it is a better uh, opportunity for us to retain the retention rate increases when we can have conversations and talk through things. So so I'm excited about it, but I like doing these um, uh, supplements because I feel like it's, it gets rich in, in information, but it is not more potent or, or more important than the actual discussions that we have uh, about the Word of God. And I love it because I always learn something new. Amen. I always learn something new. But anyway, so we are in the book of uh, Exodus, and I believe we stopped around the 12th chapter, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, But since we have been along this journey, we started in Genesis. We learned about Adam and Eve and, and the creation. We learned about the beginning of the earth. We learned about uh, man and mankind and and the fall of man and we learned about uh, job and his experiences Noah and the ark and and um, we learned about Abraham and Sarah Isaac and Jacob and recently we learned about Joseph and so now we are in the book of the Bible and I went back and I listened to one of my recordings I can't remember which one but it was it, I think I did two so far on Exodus and one of them I don't know what town I was saying uh, that the children of Israel uh, had had uh, migrated to but I met Goshen I met Goshen so if you all listen to that and y'all like what what prophet is talking about she don't know what she's talking about you right I don't know what I was on in that moment or in that time but Here's the correction. So that's why it's important. Keep on following. (laughs) Amen. Uh, Because we will correct our errors. But what we learned was that Joseph, you know, being that that young man that uh, he was a little spoiled by his daddy. He was the snitch of the family and the brothers didn't like him. So they wanted to kill him. And Reuben, the oldest brother, he said, "Uh uh-uh, don't kill him. And they said, all right, well, we ain't going to kill him. And so uh, they put him in the in the well. And and uh, Judah said, all right. I mean, no, after, after Reuben went on, they decided, oh, we still going to kill him. And then Judah convinced them, look, don't kill the boy. Let's just go on and, and, and sell him because that way it's a win-win. We get something for him and he keeps his life. Amen. And so they sold him into Egypt. They sold him to Egypt to a man called Potiphar, Potiphar, uh, who was a high-ranking authority in Pharaoh's house. And so we learned that Pharaoh is the title that kings were given. So just like we have the president of the United States and anywhere from George Washington to um, uh, Joe Biden today, we've had multiple presidents with Uh, different names. Same with Pharaoh. Pharaoh is just a title and not necessarily the name. But through the Bible, God saw fit 
to simply give us at times just their title versus their name. Amen. That, and, and that becomes significant because we know that names are important in the Bible. So anytime we see that a name has been uh, identified for the king, it is of, re- of, of importance that we dig a little deeper to understand why. Amen. All right. So anyway, so he was sold into Potiphar's house and he became the head slave and uh, he was put in charge of the household. And so he gained favor with Potiphar. And as a result of his favor, and I'm assuming he was very charismatic, but apparently he was handsome to somebody because Potiphar's wife made advances towards him and tried to have him um, uh, sleep with her. And when he refused her advances, she became offended. And that offense caused her to falsely accuse him of trying to uh, take advantage of her or to rape her. And so that was a huge accusation uh, during that time, and it was very serious. And so as a result, Potiphar uh, called for Joseph to uh, be jailed. And so he was jailed, and he obtained favor in the jail. How many know that from uh, slavery to enslaved, from enslavement to um, uh, bondage to <laughs> Uh, being a a ruler of the palace, God will be with you. God was with Joseph. And so he had gained favor uh, with the officials in the jail. And so again, he was made head and ruler and uh, he had an opportunity to interpret dreams. He had an opportunity to interpret the dreams of the cupbearer and the baker. And so his dream interpretation told one that you're going to be restored uh, in your position after having been uh, put in bondage by Pharaoh, by the king, the the baker and the the cupbearer. They were jailed by Pharaoh with his crazy self. They were jailed by him. And so when they were jailed, they encountered Joseph. They had a dream, both of them. And Joseph interpreted the dream. And he told one, you're going to be restored to your position in three days. And told the other, you're going to be killed in three days and your head impaled. Uh, uh, Meaning, you know, that, well, I ain't going to get too gruesome, but y'all know, go on and read the word. So anyway, he went from that in Potiphar's house to reconciling with his family. God allowed him to reconcile with his family and the dream that he once had that he shared with his brothers was made manifest. So we all know the story. Let's get in there and read it if you don't. Uh, But ultimately, they migrated uh, from where they were to Goshen. They, They migrated to Goshen. And so there was where they were uh, yet enslaved, enslaved in the sense of they were indentured servants. They were servants uh, to the kingdom, but they were in the best part of the kingdom because of the favor of the king. Amen. And so years had passed. Uh, Joseph passed away. Pharaoh passed away. 
And so the new Pharaoh did not know of this Joseph. He didn't know of this Joseph and he did not revere him in the same way. So that brings us to where we are now, where here we have the Israelites, the people of God. They were enslaved in Egypt. And so God sent several plagues to convince uh, Pharaoh at this point to let them free. Because if you remember in our last study, we learned that Pharaoh has some conditions to where he was looking at these Egyptians. He said, I don't know about no Moses and, and whatever it is he had going on. All I know, all I know is that you all are multiplying at a level of frequency that will put you larger than, than us, than the Egyptians. And so we got to stop that because either you're going to use that advantage to somehow overcome us, or you're going to uh, unite with somebody else and overcome us. Ain't it something when people think with their minds and filter their ideals through what they would do? what they would do. That is that is the nucleus of every uh, racist, racially biased uh, concepts or constructs that I've ever encountered in my years of living. People have a fear that you will do to them what they have done to you. They have a fear that you will do to them what they would potentially do to you. So he was filtering his thoughts and his fears through what he would do. And so the Israelites um, had been in Egypt for that 400 years. And and when the the family first came to live uh, with Joseph, they only had 70 people. So they only started with 70. So so just imagine, just imagine how much they had grown. And so some reports say, some reports say that they had, at that point, after 400 years, they had grown to um, over 2 million. That almost makes me want to go back and, and go from 1619 through... 2023 and do a census survey to identify how many African Americans or Africans uh, that are of of American descent, um, how many of us there are, because I believe that there's a huge correlation between this story of enslavement and our story of enslavement as well. All right. So anyway, so Moses was their leader. But God decided which path they would take in order to get out of bondage. So as soon as they left Egypt, God appeared to the children of Israel in a cloud that moved in the direction that he wanted them to go. So God used the cloud to direct them. And the the cloud became a pillar of fire by night to guide them with the light and the heat. Look at God. God is all 
all-powerful, all-knowing, all-consuming. God is everything. He had everything set up for them. So he had a cloud by day and fire by night. And so they followed the cloud until they entered into the promised land. The direct path in the promised land went through the land of uh, the Philistines who would have fought them and uh, who, who would have fought them had they come through that direction. I'm sorry, I got a little uh, distracted. But, but what I was saying is that as God was directing them to the promised land, the straight path, the direct path, the path of the easiest path of non-resistance uh, in, in the way that they would go directionally would have taken them through the land of Philistines, of the Philistines. But God did not uh, take them in that path. He led them towards the Red Sea. He led them towards the Red Sea. Why is this important, prophetess? This is important because God will sometimes take us the long way because he knows what is standing behind door number one. <laughs> he knows what direction to take us in and sometimes we go the long path to avoid the adversary. Amen? Amen. All right, so so we also learn as we continue through the word that as God continued to, to lay these plagues on Pharaoh, on the Egyptians, that Pharaoh acknowledged, he said, look, you can take, you can, you can, uh, Take your people, let them go, let them go. I let them go. He told Moses, I let them go. But then this joker, after the stuff began to taper and settle down, then he turned around and changed his mind and decided, well, I don't want to let them go. And had the audacity to go out after he let them go and use his army to bring them back. You're going to send your army to come and fight against what God has ordained? And Pharaoh, this is what I didn't understand when I was getting into the word of God, because one thing about me, in a personal, uh, on a personal side, as a teenager, as a young, young adult, teenager, as a child, I was very disobedient and rebellious towards my natural parents, my natural parents. But one thing about me, and I thank God for it, I do not take this for granted, I'm telling you. I always, I always am obedient to God. I don't get, listen, if I even think God say something, I'm going to walk in obedience. But here you got Pharaoh. Now, you know it's God because he done defeated all your gods in the past plagues that he uh, implemented. And now 
you up there begging him. You're begging him. Come get your people. Come on and get them because I can't. I can't do this no more. Then you turn around and change your mind. And so as God was leading his people out, as he was leading them into the promised land, taking them towards the Red Sea, and and Pharaoh was sending his men to retrieve them, God had a plan. He had a plan, but the children of Israel, they began to complain. They couldn't see God. They could not see God. They couldn't align to the vision that Moses had. And and in their mind, I can only imagine. I can only imagine you are fleeing from captivity. Where here here Moses is coming and telling you and saying, look, I done talked to Pharaoh. I done cleared it up. He good. We can go. And you done gave the people, you know, by good faith, the covenant or the agreement, the contract that you done had with Pharaoh, not knowing that this joker was going to renege. And then here he reneges, and you have people who have a history. They have a history of doubting God. And so they don't know like you know. (laughs) And now here they see Pharaoh's men coming, not understanding that the God that we serve is greater than any enemy that could potentially come against us. And so here they go complaining. Even though they've seen the mighty power of God, even though they've experienced God and generations before and stories have been passed down and they've even seen him for themselves through these miracles, through the plagues and the miracles, they still did not trust God. They didn't trust him to take care of them. They didn't trust him to show up. They didn't trust him to bring them out of this bondage. But Moses compelled them and admonished them to believe in God, that God would save them. That God would save them and that it was to God's glory that they were placed in a situation where they could not save themselves. That God would get all of the glory. Because God and God alone could make a way for them of escape. Y'all remember when Adam and Eve, when they... They uh, rebelled against God. And God had to provide for them a way of escape. He gave them that animal sacrifice that only, only the shedding of the blood. Could cover them and shield them. God instructed uh, Noah to build the ark to save him, to save him, to save humanity, to save mankind from the flood. 
He gave Abraham a ram in the bush for the sacrifice that he was going to make of Isaac. And so they knew these things. These stories were passed down. These were not just fairy tales or fables. These were as, as relevant and as prevalent as the stories my dad used to tell me about his upbringing, uh, uh, how he would share stories about his grandparents and uh, my uh, uh, his aunts and uncles and how he would share those stories. Those were real They were passed down. They were experiences of those who were there. They were close enough to hear the story from the originators of the content. And so they knew God. They knew God. They weren't like us, you know, thousands of years later hearing these things. And even through these plagues, God had allowed them to use the blood, to use the blood to um, to shield them from the, the death that was coming. So they knew, they understood who God was, but they still did not believe. Why am I focusing on this? Because it is important to understand In order for us to be obedient and walk in God's instruction, which by the way, his instruction is the best path, we must first believe. The Bible tells us that it is impossible to please God without faith. And that disbelief, the angst that the children of Israel had could have caused them their very lives, had they not walked in obedience and taken the path that God had given them through the Red Sea. We know, you know, there was a straight path through uh, the the, uh, Philistines. You know, there was a straight path, but they would have encountered more opposition, more fighting, that they were not equipped to win. So God said, I'm going to take you through the Red Sea. And can you imagine somebody saying, we're going to go through the sea? (laughs) Some folks like, I'm going to die before we get on the other side. But God had a purpose and God had a plan. He had a plan no matter how hopeless it seemed. No matter how hopeless the situation appeared to them. God had a plan. And he did not withhold it from them. But anyway, all right, so we know the story. We know how the story went. So the pillar of the cloud moved behind the Israelites and it stopped the Egyptian army from reaching them. God opened the path. He parted the Red Sea and the people crossed on dry land. So in my mind, as I think through that, the cloud, the cloud that God used to lead and guide his people during that time, what do clouds gather? Clouds gather 
rain. Clouds gather water. So the cloud that was directing them, it went behind them. <laughs> and God parted the Red Sea. But once they once they crossed and the Egyptian army tried to follow them, God uh, merged the sea. I'm trying to look for the right word. I was, I was thinking. Um, anyway, God, God re-engaged the sea. However, y'all want to take it. <laughs> God, God, uh, he parted the Red Sea, and then he allowed the Egyptians to uh, follow, and then he flooded the sea. He flooded the sea. I don't know what that glitch in the matrix happened in my brain. <laughs> but anyway, um, he he took the wheels off of the chariots and he closed the waters behind them. He closed the waters behind them and guess what happened to them? All of them died. He killed all of them. And so God showed this miracle. He showed this miracle. And one of the things, too, that I was pondering as I was studying uh, the Word of God is that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And there are miracles that God was performing during that time. And what we have to realize is that God is a spiritual God, but he manifests his miracles in the physical realm. Amen? So we see the physical manifestation of miracles then, and we can have an expectation that there will be a manifestation of those miracles today. So after they crossed the Red Sea, again, God parted the sea. And then after he after it served his purpose and the children of Israel crossed over, then as the Egyptian army came, he closed it. He closed it. And I'm telling you, I don't know why my brain, and this is just how my mind works. So I'm not making excuses. I'm just giving explanation. But sometimes when I think, it's just the simplest words don't come to me. Uh, but anyway, it stops me for a minute, so y'all just bear with me. But anyway, so so after, now they don't cross the Red Sea at this point. And if you all have been following, we are now in the book of Exodus. We're at or around chapter 16. So we've we started this session, uh, and forgive me, I probably did not mention it with chapter 13. Because we ended the last one, chapter 12. So this is chapter 13. And so we're moseying on along. And now we're at or around uh, chapter 16. And so now they done crossed the Red Sea. And they hungry. They ain't got no food. And they started once again complaining. Complaining. Always got something to complain about. Uh, Can I tell you, a lot of spiritual leaders, that's all they deal with. A lot of their... Uh, occupation is consumed with the complaints of the saints. Ain't nothing good enough. Now, God done brought y'all from, you know, you don't put the blood, you don't uh, uh, escape the wrath of death. Now, he done brought you out of bondage, and we done crossed the Red Sea, 
<laughs> the, the all them Egyptian army uh, members gone. And now we don't cross. Now y'all complaining about no food. And so now with them complaining about uh, having no food, Moses telling them, look, we got to trust God because he's not going to bring us this far to leave us. He's not going to bring us this far to leave us. And God intervened and he said, look, I'm going to give y'all food. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. I got you. And so while you are in the wilderness, now that I have I have taken you out of bondage on the path to the promised land, now that you are in the wilderness and y'all up there uh, catty arguing and, and, and spewing hate and word curses on, on Moses, I got you. I'm going to give you some bread. I'm going to give you some what they call manna, manna. Manna from on high. And I can imagine what that manna tastes like. Boy, oh boy. Because the Bible implies that this was from heaven. So I would love a piece of manna from heaven. <laughs> but anyway, the only work they had to do to get the manna was to work together. And y'all going to see them jokers start complaining about the manna. They wanted some meat. They wanted some... <laughs> We sick of all this bread. We want some meat. So God said, I got something for you. But anyway, we'll get to that. But anyway, during this wilderness experience, the children of Israel learned to depend on God. They learned to trust him. And so, oh, the other, the other thing, I try to keep it all in my head, I'm telling you. But the other, the other thing, they, they, um, uh, it, so they complained about the food. God said, I got you on food. I'm going to give you some bread. So they got thirsty. They got thirsty. Ain't that natural? Ain't that the natural progression of things? You eating all this bread, now y'all thirsty. And so what they do? Start complaining again. They done started complaining again. And so now God told Moses, he said, look, I'm going to give y'all some water. I want you to go over here and I want you to hit this rock with the stick. And so God made the water flow out of the rock. And so there were all that were around, they were able to be, um, uh, their thirst was quenched because it was so much water. Amen. So, So God protected the people. He protected them as they traveled. He provided for them as they traveled. And if he didn't do it, they'd have died because they didn't know what to do. And so even though they didn't deserve the way that God provided for them, he still did it. And they were constantly complaining. They were constantly complaining about any and everything. And we're going to learn that that those complaints, they, they creep up and bite them. They creep up and bite them at the end because some of them in that generation, as a matter of fact, all of them 
from that generation except two. And we're going to learn about that. Uh, made it over to the promised land. All of, I'm sorry, all of them did not make it over except for two. Only two made it over from that generation, although God allowed their children and children's children to make it over because of his grace and his mercy. But those from that generation, including Moses, did not make it to the promised land. Amen. All right, so I'm going to cut right here because I think I may be approaching my time. Uh, This thing only allows me to do 60 minutes. So uh, I'm going to stop and pause here. We ended, I think, at 16. And so we're going to go 17 through and let's see how far we get. All right. Love you all.